Hi, welcome back to Make Do. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Arment. And we got a lovely tweet from Sam Cook, who is Sam's Penguins on Twitter. Uh, and he let us know that he had finally caught up to our homework slash suggestion from really early on about framing and displaying your work. Mm-hmm. If you remember that. I certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> and we retweeted it. It was really, it was really nice. So it was, it was really, really lovely. And it reminded me of that, that thing of, of display. Are you, I know that when we were, uh, when we visited you in New York, I saw that you had some of your stuff out in, in bookshelves. Um, how are you like thinking and feeling about that? Uh, I um I'm displaying what I'm proud of and what I feel like is like really good and I've also like kind of rearranged things in the studio where I'm hanging up more stuff that I had previously had kind of in drawers mm-hmm. so I'm continuing to hang up the things that I'm most proud of even if they aren't the best you know what I mean like if I'm proud of it enough it goes up on the wall and I've always done that so I'm continuing to do that which is which is good how are you doing on your recalcitrant portrait oh (laughs) I took a break on the portrait because I'm going to do some fabric studies to get the last little bit right that I really want to get right but so I'm I'm taking a little bit of a break to do that and I haven't painted in like a week and a half maybe more maybe two weeks because of all traveling and and that kind of stuff but I do have to say while traveling um some friends who know what I'm up to and what I'm doing and the stuff that I'm making were great amazing advocates for me and kind of like helped me brag to other people about what I've been working on and that felt uncomfortable but really good, if that makes sense. It was nice to not be the one that had to come out and and say something about yourself. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like this is a topic of conversation that I'm interested in having because it's something I've spent all of my time doing. So I do want to talk about it. That feels pretty natural. But so it, w- it was really good to have a a piece that I'm really, really proud of to back up what I've been doing. And I don't think I've ever had that before. Uh, before, if it was like, oh, Tiff, you know, she is doing stuff and, you know, or creating something or painting. And it's like, ah, I don't have anything mm-hmm. good to show you, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm just, you know, doodling or dabbling or, you know, you make those little uh, flighty little words, you know, to say what you're doing because you don't really feel like you have anything substantial to show or that you're proud enough of. But this time I did have something substantial to show that I was proud enough of and that felt really great and it it was a little braggy feeling but at the same time I think that it helped the conversation go along and it was it was really good and and very positive and and boosted my ego a bit so it was a it was a nice treat that sounds really good that reminds me of I recently read in the past week or two uh Jennifer Weiner is um, an author and she wrote a piece, uh, we'll link it in the show notes, but I think it was called, I forget the title was, but it was about uh, how people and a lot of women will like post or share things with the phrasing, I wrote a thing, Mm -hmm. where you try to sort of downplay what you did. Uh, you're just like, oh, it's just this little thing, don't like, and, and you know, we've talked about this before. And it was really interesting about 
you know, taking taking that space and being like, I wrote an article or a piece or I wrote about and not being like, wrote a little thing, here's the link or, you know, oh, I just I paint sometimes. And so that was really interesting. Yeah, it's like being proud of the ownership of your work. And I don't think I've had that too often before. And it felt really good to have that now. And uh, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm changing <laughs> as a person, <laughs> which is both a little frightening and exhilarating because it's like you've spent so many years being one thing and you change over to something else and you're like, wait a minute am I this confident person? Like, is this, is, is it, it, do I now all of a sudden, do am I feeling braggy and snobby? Like are they all these negative words associated with a positive emotion? You know how that happens where it feels good to be, um, meek and, uh, downplay yourself. It, it that feels like a a better way to be than to be confident and positive. Mm -hmm. But yet when I see other people being confident and positive, I don't think about them negatively. Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of that thing where it's almost, I don't know the, the weird thing of like, if I downplay myself or if I, you know, uh, not just downplay, but maybe even put myself down, someone else will give me a compliment or even, even if it's not that just like you want to wait for someone else to discover that you're great because then it's, more real or meaningful and mm -hmm. I mean yeah maybe a little bit but you're gonna waste a lot of time adding your light under a bushel or whatever metaphor you feel like <laughs> so I think it's uh, I actually I I'm part of this uh big kind of silly Facebook group and recently uh Facebook launched this thing that's like mentorship programs where people in groups and it's meant to be, I think for like professional development where mm -hmm. you can sign up either as a mentee or a mentor. And so I have a mentee, which is fun. And I'm like, who am I to say anything? But I did like, I, I took a lot of the things from this podcast, especially my torturing of you. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you have to first like say to me three things you're good at. And then I was like, okay, now you have homework. Like I didn't just spring this on her. We were talking about like developing yourself, mm -hmm. but I was like, and, and you have to say to someone in the next week that like I did this thing and it's good and you can't use any modifiers. Like I said to you, you can't like qualify this in any way. But it was just fun to, to like recognize that like this is now something in my arsenal of supporting slash harassing other people. <laughs> so that was good. I feel like that's that should be homework for everyone. Like say, tell someone about something you're good at and just like say it straight up and down. No qualifiers. <laughs> just like all of a sudden just go out into the world and be like, I am. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so stressful to me, but okay. I mean, you could maybe do it on like Twitter or Facebook if you, if you want to like warm up to it. So I've been thinking about changing my Twitter profile little blurb. And so that's been a, a big mental thing for me. Uh -huh. I wanted to change it to something more, uh, more about this, more about, uh, being confident in having creativity in my life. And uh, so I, I don't know what to change it to. I was thinking about changing it to compulsive maker, but <laughs> I, I've just, I've, I wanted to put it out there that I've been thinking about it. So you hold me a little bit accountable. Mm -hmm. So I'm, um, I don't know quite what to put yet, but <laughs> I, I almost, I almost was going to use 
an A word here and there. I don't know. <gasps> I don't know, but I'm very nervous about that. But it did occur to me. And then I, you know, went and hid behind the couch when I thought about it. But it was, it was a thought that came into my brain. So I think that your Twitter bio should be uh, making art, making things, making things about making art. Ooh, that's good. See, but I didn't write that. You wrote it. Darn it. So you, you should put, use that You one. can put quotes around it. <laughs> refer, to, refer back to me like I'm your blurber. Yeah, you are my blurber. Thank you. You're, You're a very good blurber. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that as a blurb in my Twitter. Bio. <laughs> anyway, uh, I realized that uh, today's topic kind of goes back to my goals for the year, uh, because one of my goals was to take some... I think like classes generally and woodworking classes specifically. Mm -hmm. So about a month ago, I think I signed up. A friend of mine saw that there was this uh, apron dress sewing workshop at a a fabric store in town. So we both signed up for that. And (laughs) also at first uh, I signed up and I was excited. And then I checked and on like the workshop webpage, it said that the dress went up to a large. And uh, even though it was like a decently generous large, it was not julia but generous enough <laughs> so i was like so i and i was like oh no i don't think i can get a fat girl refund but i emailed them and i was like hey is, don't is this- say hey you listen 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 <laughs> lady sizes are bullshit all around <laughs> oh they are they definitely definitely are but so i, I emailed them and i was like can you help me grade this pattern up? Because I think I can regrade it myself, but that will take time from the workshop. And they emailed back and were like, yeah, no, just send your measurements and we'll grade it up, which I thought was really, really nice and like good customer service. That's awesome. But the first class was last week. And the first class is uh, the same day as this episode comes out, the second class. Uh, It was so much fun. And it turns out that um, only my friend and I, were the only people who signed up for this class. Uh, and usually they want a few more participants, but because it was the first time they were working the, with this pattern, mm-hmm. uh, apparently they decided like, well, that's still useful. Like it's almost more helpful because then they can help more and see where help is needed. Uh, but it was fun because, you know, there's the two of us and then you have someone helping and like we're talking about stuff and like, oh, take a break for like a cinnamon button in the middle. <laughs> um, but what I really like, because I haven't really sewn from patterns before, at least not like in any major sense Mm -hmm. and it's just a it's nice to see like okay I I can do that and I can primarily like I can adhere to instructions and adhere to the correct routine because I mean a lot of the stuff I sew is in like soft jersey so you don't have to think as much about ironing and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but doing everything right like you know ironing down the the seams and ironing uh, flattening out the seams so that they look good for like all of that stuff and really doing everything right is also fun and like I think it's one of those things that I just put off because I'm like I don't want to but it's fun and, like I can't I can't really do any shortcuts or cheating because someone is there watching me and you're gonna see everything later and that's I think that's really good for me and it was a lot of fun and also I'm gonna have a great little apron dress with pockets yeah, it's kind of great to learn the rules so then you can later break them. Mm-hmm. And having that foundation, I think that that's what classes are really, really great for. But it's also a matter of finding the right class. Mm-hmm. I've definitely attended certain things where I've shown up and I'm like, yeah, I know more than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
But I think also part of it is is because we had um, like sewing classes in in uh, junior high in Sweden, or you have it from like I think middle mm-hmm. school and up. Uh, but there it was like a. I mean, I was you know undiagnosed with ADHD. I was a kid. You don't want to do anything right, and I was like, this is boring. I don't like it. Everything is coming out badly. Mm-hmm. Not reflecting on the fact that I was like twelve. Uh, and I think part of that has maybe stuck around where I'm like, I can fix stuff. I can adjust sizing and I can make my own things for my own head with like my own simple patterns. And then you're just like, Man, I don't care about real sewing or whatever you want to call it. So this has been a really good because I've bought some patterns for I've been watching way too much uh, Great British Sewing Bee, <laughs> which is amazing. And you're like, I could make a silk evening gown. I could make a like a swimsuit, which I probably could, but I would curse a lot. I'm feeling very sort of confident and energized with this new, more structured, sounds like a pun, but literally like literally and figuratively structured sewing. So my friend and I are already talking about like if we want to take a class to make sort of like a, a shirt dress with collars and things next, mm-hmm. um, maybe also going out to her summer house where we can stretch out and like sew stuff together because then you can uh, sort of troubleshoot the different things where you get stuck so it's i'm really really excited and i was like when we left on wednesday i was like this goes against everything i am to stop things while you're having fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like now uh is a good time like i think you have to go through certain stages to really get into classes Mm-hmm. and how you're able to take away the information from them. Because at first, I, I know sometimes it's like, oh, I need to learn, base learn the thing. So you do a class. Mm-hmm. And then you get into a point where you're like, I'm okay, I could do this. I know what I'm doing. And then you are happy just doing things your way and the just the way that you've always done them or figuring it out on your own. And then it gets to the point where you want to level up again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. that's when it comes time to take that other class again. And so I feel like it's kind of like a stair step situation where each time you want to level up, you you need that little something extra. You need that expertise to bring you up to the next level. And then for a while, you can start, you know, enjoying that level on your own or even like increasing in, in smaller increments. But classes definitely do help jump you up more quickly um and and i think i think a lot of the times also like for me at least i've a lot of times i get nervous about signing up for classes like there are things that i want to do but for a long time like i i i feel and a lot of people who know me are going to laugh at this because it's that thing of like certain people you'll never believe that they're introverts but like i get very stressed out about very new social situations with strange people and in a class usually you don't know anyone and you don't know what the dynamic is going to be both of like the class in general and the people and also with certain things and this is not something that I'm proud of but with certain things I also feel like I don't know what the level of people is going to be like if I'm going to be frustrated that like I mean also sometimes you're like maybe the level will be too high uh, but also like will the level be too low will I be frustrated uh, and for instance, when I took a, a a horror writing class a few years ago, and I was put into one class at first, where it really was like these were people who were 
super beginners, like they were having problem with grammar and stuff. And that, that's fine. Like, I don't want to begrudge them taking a class. And that's awesome. But I very much felt like this is not where I want and need to be. Unfortunately, the, the teacher noticed that and he was like, I can transfer you over into another day this week because like the, they had different classes of the same class but running at different days of the week mm-hmm. and I got into another group and I was so thankful because that would have felt like such a huge waste of time and money for me personally like that yeah. situation um so that was like a little bit of like a confirmation of some of my like negative bias uh but also like but you can still find usually like something better there I feel a difference in classes when it is teaching something that's creative versus teaching something that's a skill. Mm-hmm. And I get more easily frustrated in classes that are trying to push a, a creative agenda, like here, f- uh, prompts <laughs> for imaginative things. Or um, like I remember once taking a going to like a photography workshop and they're teaching you how to see something beautiful and take a picture of it or interesting or, or things like that. And I was just, my brain just shut off to that because I'm like, you can't tell me what I think is artistic. Like, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was, I was actually put out by that class and I've seen other people who love that stuff. Like they need those prompts and they feed on that. And that's a really helpful thing for them. And just like you said, I don't begrudge anyone for finding what they need in a different class than what I'm finding what I need from a class. But for me, I, I find more value when it is teaching something like this is how you sew a thing. Like this is a skill. This is a concrete like step A, step B, step C, you know, and you can follow mm-hmm. these things. And I wouldn't have known those steps until somebody told them to me. But when it comes to uh, this is how to start thinking creatively, I immediately become a teenager and I'm just like, you can't tell me what to do. Like (laughs) I'm just so adverse to that. Uh, I don't know. Do you feel the same way? A little. And I think for me, something that I really had to work on in that writing class, especially was I am not good at hypotheticals, like hypothetical practicing, you know, where it's like, you know, go take a, like, write, you know, write, a, a, a chapter or an intro or an ending and I'm like but this isn't for real and I know that that might sound weird but like because to me there's a difference of like practice and when someone is like pretend as though you're or like what would you do in this situation or take a picture uh that could that that you would imagine being in a magazine story and for some reason like the difference between take pictures as though they could work for magazine story and pretend that you, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if I'm making sense, but like, no, I, I totally understand when you're put into like a hypothetical situation, you're like, this isn't real. I can't get my mind around doing this because it doesn't feel real. It feels like a contrived situation that you're putting me in as opposed to something that is a prompt that is just encouraging you to think a little bit differently without having to do the whole, let's pretend we're writing a magazine. Now, what would you like? (laughs) That feels, it feels, um, for photography. Like if you're saying, um, I want you to go out and try to find something that works with a sense of depth, for instance, Mm -hmm. rather than I want something, uh, that tells a story of your family, which like, again, that's a prompt that could work for some people. But I think for a lot of people, it's easier to like start with how do you make a 
how do you evoke like a sense rather than an emotion with a picture? And then you can get to the emotion later because say like you don't have any conflict in your family. Maybe you, you like you're taking super boring pictures that week. But if if the prompt instead was uh, try to take pictures that show off a dynamic in a family, then you can still show like, oh, this is super harmonious, but you don't feel you know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. something that is broad enough to let people find different things in it, but still specific enough that you can talk about it afterwards with feedback and things. And I, I find generally like part of it, I think, is just style, like teaching style and, and learning style and like personality, what works. So some amazing teachers are just not going to work for everyone. But I do find that it is you can definitely tell like different kinds of teachers in classes like this. And you can definitely tell the ones who are like, it is really hard to make a living in creative and artistic and makey things and the way that you make a living most of the time is by holding classes and they like don't actually want to be there there's also the classes that are sponsored mm-hmm. by a company and they have a very specific agenda i i also find a hard time really uh opening up and bonding in those situations oh yeah also it build builds your personality out of legos um <laughs> But but because that actually does sound pretty fun, though. (laughs) (laughs) I've done it. It's kind of fun. I think everyone starts thinking way too much about like what they're trying to display. And it's like, you know, tell me about your weaknesses like we talked about last time. Yeah. Um, But so I've taken like as an adult, I've taken writing classes. uh, I've taken pottery classes, obviously, for a long time. This sewing class, I've taken uh, photography and darkroom classes. And I think... Because, for instance, the, the teacher in this uh, sewing class, she's been holding classes there for a couple of years. She's, it was weird because she's younger than me. And not by much. She's, like, I think in her early 30s. And I, my brother cheerfully told me last night that I am now in my late 30s. Which I was like, oh, no. you, you shut your mouth. I'm not 37 yet. And I told him, I asked him if that meant that he was in his mid-30s. And he said, no, I'm not 35 yet. Anyway. <laughs> and she's just, she's very enthusiastic. And you can tell that... Uh, she may not like totally have found her like pedagogical stride yet because that takes time and experience, but she cares about sewing and she cares about teaching and that can go such a long way um, because she can explain things and why you do things if you ask. Uh, and she also can tell when you have a decent grip on the thing that you're doing, which I think is super important. And it's funny because she and I started talking about because she had taken like one year of, of pottery classes at a sort of local art school and uh, she said that she'd heard of of the teacher where I took classes and we started talking about like what makes a good teacher. And it's funny because this, my pottery teacher, she was just, she's so good at teaching. She cares a lot about pottery. She knows her stuff inside and out. Um, and she has a very good understanding of like, what do you need to know to understand different parts of this? What do you not need to know right away? Like what, and also like what things can you sort of fumble a little bit without learning poor technique for later do you know what mm-hmm. i mean because there are sometimes I know exactly what you mean that that thing of like like some of these steps aren't necessary for the things that you'll be able to do or want to do in the beginning she releases the right amount of information to keep you interested but doesn't overwhelm you yeah and also just like doesn't teach you techniques that are gonna take take up time uh, and that you don't really need to do with, say, smaller amounts of clay, but that don't teach you bad habits for later. And she knows when to challenge you, when to... She doesn't suffer fools. I love that because there's certain types of people that I, f- that I found in all classes 
they're usually older ladies, not always, but they get that like whiny of like, I can't do this. I'm bad. Why can I never get things right? And they make me want to like, you know, sort of movie style smack them and tell them to snap out of it. And she will just be like, okay, so either you've misunderstood the instructions or you've forgotten this thing or like this is what you're doing wrong and she doesn't coddle them but she doesn't she's still very nice about it but like she's she's very often very expertly straddles the the line between nice and strict which I love mm-hmm. um and she can tell like she'll ask okay what do you want to work on today or she'll say I think I've said this before well she'll be like okay Julia I want you to work on this one shape that you don't like and never do. And that's all you're allowed to do this whole weekend. (laughs) And I will grumble, but I know she's right. Like she, and she can also sense if you're like, I just want to play this whole weekend or or evening or whatever it is. And she's just, she's so good at teaching. And I feel like having had her as a teacher has made me a really good teacher when I've had like small private workshops with, with friends and people I know, because I can remember like her, her teaching stays on, to teach others it's not just like yeah. oh, she showed me but i can't explain it because she explained things along the way she was just she was a really really good teacher because that's that's the other thing that i was thinking of classes are also sometimes important because they can be a really good way to get to try things because mm. you can buy some yarn and needles or a camera uh, or you can even use your phone but it's hard to be like well i'll just you know buy a wheel and try it out and aside from technique being hard or you know a lot of uh equipment or materials aren't necessarily mm-hmm. accessible to just try out um and, and that can be really cool because you can also just try and be like i liked it I'm not gonna do it again or like wow this is amazing and suddenly you have a wheel in your house you're not quite sure how it happened <laughs> so yeah the other class that i took was uh we have our local it's like a local historical cultural museum thing they have them all around sweden and they have a lot of uh, artisan and craft classes and I saw a while back that they had whittling classes for women so like whittling and carving with axe and knife and for women and I was interested and they filled up and then because I follow them on Facebook I saw in my feed that uh, two people had dropped out of a class so there were slots available and it was like that weekend this might say this was on a Tuesday and the class was a weekend two-day class so I was like Okay, 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 I'm going to do it. So I, I signed up and I showed up and it was super nice. And like, for real, I split a birch log with an mm-hmm. axe. I carved out the rough shape of a spoon with an axe. That's awesome. uh, and then I carved it with like big knives and small knives and spoon knives. And I clamped it in a thing. And I it was just... What's a spoon knife? <laughs> well, it's like a curved thing so that you can get into the bowl, make the bowl Ooh. of the... It's probably not called that in English. I'll Google it. No, I like spoon knife. It's probably... It might be called that as well. And and she, she also like... She, we talked a lot about different types of wood and shapes of things. And it's that amazing thing where like you never really think about a spoon until you... It's... Uh, <laughs> there's an exercise where... You're asked to draw a bicycle or you ask someone and it's the one of those things, you, you know exactly what a bicycle looks like and then you have to draw it. And you're like, I have no idea what a bicycle look like. <laughs> so she showed us different spoons and we talked about like what is the anatomy of a spoon and what is the thing that people forget? Like there's a certain curve and a certain balance. It was really fun because, you know, you keep carving and carving and whittling and whittling. And you're like, oh, this is so thin. And then you hold it up. It's like, no, this is still like three times the size of a spoon. But I made a whole nice, pretty spoon by myself with an axe and a knife and 
big knives that you like I said you squeeze into things and whatever but it was so cool that's really cool. and I stabbed myself in the thigh with the tip of a sharp knife ah. uh, and I cut my fingers a lot but that you know is apparently par for the qu- I seriously the first day I came home and I immediately started googling axes and I was like is this is this how you end up on the no-fly list but it was so cool because it's it's that thing of it's a skill that is, I think, very, very male coded, but it's also a skill that's not common anymore. It's very much an artisanal thing. Mm-hmm. You know, people people don't a certain type of person, I think, buys wooden spoons and cares about handmade wooden spoons. So it's it's a very niche thing. And it was just so cool to get to try that. And I also really appreciated that it was a class for women because in certain situations you might Again, because it's a male-coded thing, you might not feel comfortable in what you would guess would be a mostly male space. And sometimes, even if it's like 50-50, certain types of men in certain types of classes and situations can sort of take over and you get a certain vibe. Mm -hmm. And there you really can't know that ahead of time. So it was really nice. It was like varied in ages. It was a female instructor. She was amazing. I feel like that would go the other way for like um, a knitting class for men or something, Mm -hmm. right? Like taught by a man. Like I think that they're is a lot of value in marketing a, a skill that's typically one one gender-based or the other to each other and be like, look, you can have access to this too. And it could bring all of that confidence along with it, mm-hmm. which is is really cool because uh, whittling, that sounds awesome. Like that sounds really cool. <laughs> I'm very so jealous of your fun. cool whittling spoon class. And I felt like, it was, I felt like such a, I don't know, like a stereotypical, not even like hipster, but like a certain type of retired old lady who there actually was two of them in the class who were like, I try to take, a you know, one, some kind of new class every month. So they like did gardening or tree cutting, like where you um take care of like an arborist. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just like took all these different classes and like needle felting and water. Col- and I was just like, this is this is life goals to just try things out. And then some of them you stick with, but you keep trying out other stuff. Make stuff all and- the things. Right. <laughs> And it was just, it was fun. And it was, it's very good for the soul to try stuff. And sometimes you suck and sometimes it's great. Or sometimes you see potential and sometimes you stab yourself in the thigh with a whittling knife. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, don't, don't tell my husband. Um, I told him he laughed. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I need like 10,000 lifetimes to be mm-hmm. able to try all the things that I want to try, you know? Yeah. And I think that classes and things like this are a really great little taste of all of that that can move those interests around and and kind of let you check things off of your list of what you would like to do you know like you have an interest in something take a little class just like you were saying you can be like okay that was fun I tried that now let's try the next thing or it could even open up a door to a skill that you didn't even know existed like if you start with whittling it could bring you down a path to um I don't know, wood burning there's a, a term for that I can't think of what it is but that is also like a whole nother mm-hmm. artistic crafty thing to do and it it's really exhilarating to kind of open up that part of your brain and say, it's okay to start learning something new again. And I think that that's a really big step for a lot of adults. They shut that off for so long. And I, all the people that I know in my life, the people that have aged the best and have had the most fulfilling, happy lives as they get older 
have hobbies Mm -hmm. and interests and things that they pursue and stuff that they go out and do. It's all the people who have never allowed themselves to find that thing that fills their heart with satisfaction that end up kind of fading away a -hmm. little bit in their lives. And it isn't saying that you need to make something to be fulfilled or, or creative or it, 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 but it does give you the drive of continuing to learn and have interests and, and see beauty in the world. Yeah. And I think like, even if that hobby is like for some people, like joining a walking club or like, maybe maybe you go to the Hebrides and maybe you just walk around the beach where you live, but like having some sort of context. And I think, because you get that thing of like it's scary to be new and bad at something Mm -hmm. but also I think maybe we get this idea of like you have to find your thing and then do that thing like you have to find your hobby and I think like taking classes and trying things is in and of itself a super worthwhile hobby uh and maybe like your your walls your guest room look hilarious because you have Mm -hmm. all the different things you've tried in there but like I don't know it's just it's it's fun to get to and because there are so many amazing resources, like you can learn almost anything on YouTube, say. But again, getting access to both like materials and tools that you maybe don't want to invest in right away or can't invest in. And also having someone there to say the little things like, no, hold it like this uh, or think about that or even, yes, you're doing it right. No, you're not doing it right. Yeah, those things make a big difference. Yeah, exactly. Like you can save a lot of frustration and time. It's just fun. Are you generally a class person? Generally not because I just, uh, every time I look for classes, I feel like it feels like such a big commitment. Like there's Mm -hmm. multiple weeks or things to do. And it's just like, I can't take that much time out of my life to go do this. Or I choose not to, you know, like I rather um, spend my time doing my own thing. But I have found value in classes before. And I know if I want to accumulate more skills in other things that those classes are absolutely necessary and I have taken um, baking classes before uh, so those have been really extremely helpful and and really eye-opening and and fun so uh, yes I would say I am a classes person but I don't pursue them often Mm -hmm. I pursue them as needed you know yeah, I really, really like that there are options for taking like, you know, a weekend class or a two two time occasion class. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to tie yourself up for a whole semester or whatever. Like you're saying, like either if you don't like it or you don't know that you have that time to right. dedicate to it. And then if you if it turns out that you love it, then you will obviously probably like make it a bigger priority to try to carve out that time. But yeah, no, I love I love try like I, I I really like when places have I don't always go to them but sometimes I do when they're like either open houses or at some other kind of event where there's just like different tables we could just try stuff for 15 minutes like there's or a just, pen it, show or a pen show there's a calligraphy class it's two yeah. hours you don't have to get good at it you just learn a little bit and you try a little bit mm-hmm. and I I love that uh, if, if you were gonna uh take some classes if if we find some good weekend classes for you what would you want to try obviously axe whittling which is like oh yeah well duh. badass but, um actually i would like to learn pottery stuff i think it sounds super cool and i i did it in my uh middle school high school i can't remember i think middle school was when they had a pottery wheel in the art studios 
in school. So I love doing it then. I have two very ugly pots that I made from <laughs> when I was like in sixth grade or whatever it was. But and I'm very, very proud of them. So seeing the stuff that you do, I think I would really like that. I like the goopy crafty stuff like I don't <laughs> mind getting my hands dirty uh you know I I get covered in paint when I'm painting I'm I'm not a tidy person when it comes to <laughs> creating things so I feel like you know getting my hands in some clay would be pretty excellent and I would really really like to try that well you're welcome for uh an intensive course of whatever length you like yes <laughs> <laughs> what about you what what is next on your list now that you've done your whittling you want some more big woodworking right or something like that yeah it would be fun to try some either like furniture building woodworking or something like Like make a chair yeah Mm. or make something um like fiddly and decorative like lots of carving and stuff part of me wants to learn to reupholster furniture oh i can show you that one pretty good at tufting (laughs) <laughs> All right, we'll <laughs> we'll we'll do a, a skill swap. Okay. What do you think? You, what do you think you could teach a workshop on aside from tufting? Oh, apparently upholstering chairs. Uh, actually, I I possibly could because I worked as like in um in props for a little while, and mm-hmm. you have to do set dressings for props. And anyway, uh, I have had a million lives. <laughs> um, I think I could I could probably teach a sewing class pretty nice. easily like a basic sewing class and reading patterns um I, I could I could definitely teach that yeah and I don't know if I would but I could <laughs> yeah no, I, th- I think sometimes that's there was a meme going around on Twitter like if if someone woke you up and said you have to hold a TED talk of 20 minutes without preparation what could you give it on um Ooh. and oh yeah no that's scary but like uh I think sometimes it's good to think about like what what could you teach someone else to do Mm-hmm. also maybe like as a little boost of like I'm good at this thing yeah I could definitely teach sewing I could, I could <laughs> definitely teach someone to make a Halloween costume for their kid nice mm-hmm. safe to say uh what would you teach your class on <laughs> I would teach my class on how to write dirty limericks no, I'd probably... <laughs> take that class at a pun class I would be very good at no like probably pottery but I think mm-hmm. maybe also I don't know how to take fun Instagram pictures of your things or knitting or puns. You have so many things you can teach classes on. I have many things. The Julia Scott creative series. Right. I'm going to start at tiny, tiny weird community college. (laughs) I would so attend your tiny weird community college. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it would probably be in upstate New York or in Portland. Yes. Um, I am so there. (laughs) So if you also want to attend the Julia Scott Creative College for Creative Adults, <laughs> then please go visit our show notes over at relay.fm slash make do. And we are make do pod on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to talk to us about all the stuff and things and feelings and all that wonderful, great creative art stuff that we talk about here, we get so many really, really nice things from our listeners and we read them all because they fill our hearts with joy. And you can find us individually at Tiffany Armen and at Julia Scott, S-K-O-T-T for when you sign up for all of her classes. And (laughs) we'll be back in a fortnight. And until then, go make and do. And we got a lovely tweet 
uh, from Sam Cook, Sam's Penguins on Peng- on Twitter, on Penguins, uh, from Sam <laughs> Cook, Sam. Pe- <laughs> that was really hard to say. Apparently, 